read this uh, scripture out of Joshua 1 8. But first, I need to tell you this because this is really important. Okay? I want you to get this. Um, everything I'm saying is premised on the fact that we should be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Okay? Because you will never be successful in your life if it's not motivated by love. Okay? Because God is love. And, and, and so people fail in life. They fail especially in the area of ministry because they're not ministering from love. Okay? That's the secret to really being successful in ministry is love the people that you're ministering to. If you love the people, there's power get released. Um. Here's how it works. First, you have to receive the love of the Father. You've got to get this love thing settled in your life. Okay? If you don't love, if you don't understand that the Father loves you, you're going nowhere fast. You're going down. Okay? Once you receive the Father's love, then you can love yourself. See, a lot of people don't love themselves. To me, that's a sure sign they ain't seen the love of the Father. You know, you've got to love yourself. How are you going to love somebody else if you don't love yourself? It doesn't work. That's a blockage in your life. So once you receive the love of the Father, you really begin to love yourself. You begin to see who God created you to be. He be you begin to agree with God on how He feels about you. And once that becomes more of a settled issue in your life, then you can begin to release that love to other people. Okay? And, the, and that's where the power of God uh, is called the compassion of Christ. The compassion that when Jesus... The Bible says Jesus was moved by compassion. Compassion really is the love of God getting released out of our life towards other people. And this is really important. This is so important. I'm going to give you what God gave me on compassion recently. Okay? Um, because compassion is powerful. It will move you. If you look in the, in the Bible, it says Jesus was moved with compassion. How many people in this room has, have ever been moved to go to the bathroom? In other words, you ain't got to figure out, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Something tells you inside, go to the bathroom. That's why they call, call it a bowel movement. Okay? Something is moving inside of you, urging you to do something. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you, that word move in the Bible is the same thing that happens when that happens. Okay? It ain't something you've got to figure out. When you get this love thing, it'll begin to flow out of you. And I saw a great example of this recently. Many of you people know Eric Newman. Uh, you know, he's, we went to South, he went with us down to South America, and we got to spend a week with Eric, and uh, I got to spend a week talking to him and observing him and watching what he did. And Eric has a very powerful ministry in South America, very effective ministry. And this is a secret. Eric really loves those people. He really loves them. And because he loves them, God moves through him. It was remarkable watching. It was like a lesson in love. I thought that's what I'm watching. Because I'm wondering, why, you know, what's Eric doing? Is he just going out there because he can? You know, he's, got a, he's, a, he's a corporate guy. He's a corporate attorney. He's got lots of money to throw away. And... <laughs> but he don't throw it away. He does, uses it well, honestly. Okay, and one of the things he does, he uses it to go and love people. Go down there and, you know, he's got a tremendous anointing on worship and ministers prophetic, but he loves them. And God uses them. He speaks of his authority and power on what he says and what he does. He doesn't love them just when he's ministering. He loves them when he's around them. It's amazing. It really convinced me of the power of love watching that. I thought, man, this is it right here. This guy's moving. God's moving him. 
So I want to tell you something. Uh, we've tried to convince people here of the love of God and get you rooted. And if you're not, this is I'm going to honestly tell you, it ain't our fault. <laughs> but if you need to know more about the love of God, which we all really do because we're growing in it. It's not like we got the whole everything figured out. But if you need that this morning, come get prayer this morning at the end. Just like, I want to know this love, or I need to love myself. I, I want to see God's love flow through me. And So any kind of message on being successful is not going to work in your life apart from the love of God. I guess that's, that's the bottom line. It's just love, love is, the, is the foundation. Rooted and grounded in love. That's how everything springs out of that. But let me read this, go back to the success thing, because God wants us to be successful. I'm going to read this to you and just throw out something at you. It says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. See, God is interested in us being prosperous and having success. Uh, I think big, uh, uh, big Joe calls the Bible the ultimate playbook. Okay, the ultimate playbook is the Bible. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, but there, what it is, in the Bible, there are spiritual principles, okay, that have much power on them in the heavenly realm. They have less power on them here, not because, not because they don't have power here. It's because we're living under a blanket or a sphere. I've seen it. I've seen it in, you know, when I was really connected in the spirit realm, I've seen this sphere over us. It's like an atmosphere that's over us, and it's an atmosphere of unbelief. And it's, and it's, and it's hindering us and understanding that God has given us something that has great power. The angels in heaven who have not been to the earth are shocked at, and dismayed at, about our approach to the scriptures because they have an in, inherent understanding of the power in them of simple, simple words in the Bible, and they're just made that we don't understand that. Okay, those are the ones who haven't been here. The ones who've been here have a better understanding because there are angels who've never been to earth. But they may be coming. We're inviting them. So there's a real and dynamic power on uh, simple things that we, that we take for granted, but there's their power on them. That's what God wants us to tap into is some uh, principles from the Bible that can affect every area of your life. And I'm not talking about just your spiritual life this morning. Okay? God wants to make us very successful in our homes uh, with our children. Okay? He wants to make us very successful in, bus in the business realm, whatever business you're in, or ministry. This, and, and what I believe, this, and I believe this will work in any culture on the earth. I mean, it could work, work in the worst place in the earth. And why? Because it's not, uh, you know, the, you know, the ten steps of man, it's, it's, these are from, from the Word. This is a, these are principles from heaven that God wants to release to make us successful. And I'm only talking about one of them this morning, by the way. There's a bunch of them that I feel like God's been re revealing to me. Um, <clears throat> so I want to define success, you know, to make sure we're all on the same page here, is, is when I'm talking about success, uh, it's being able to do what God tells you to do and to bear fruit in it. That's success. To be able to do whatever God's told you to do, whatever He's asked you to do with your life, and to be successful, to, to bear much fruit in it. Now, one of the things we want to be able to do is take the things that God teaches us and God reveals us and take them to the people in the world. 
Okay, so in my mind, when I think about success, the, 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 the church word, the Bible word, would be like overcomer. Okay, being an overcomer. That we overcome all these things in life and, and, and achieve what God has. But I wouldn't want to go to a lost person and say, God wants to make you an overcomer. But you could go to a lost person and talk to them about how that they can, you can help them come into success in their life. See, we, there's a way to communicate to people in the world where they don't really know that you are sliding the Holy Spirit into their life. Okay? And I guarantee you go to any person in the world and say, How, would you like to be successful? They're going to say, heck yeah. I want to be successful. If they believe you can help them, which we can help them if we could get the things and see that how God's wanting to make us successful, we can help other people come into success. Uh, let me ask you this. How many parents in here want their children to be successful? Or rather, how many parents in here want their children to be failures? We all want our children to succeed. The Father is looking at us saying, I want you to succeed in this life. I want you to prosper in this life. Uh, the fact that it's in Deuteronomy 28, we all know that scripture, he wants to make us the head, not the tail. Okay? Now, that's, that's speaking to Israel, the family of God in the Old Covenant. And now we're in that family. He's saying the same thing this. I want you to be the head. I don't want you to be the tail. Okay, that's how God looks at our life. I want you to be successful. I don't want you to be the tail. I don't want you to be dragging. Um, one of the things that I want to make sure you understand, now this is, this is sort of important, is about spiritual balance in your life and about wholeness in your life, that God wants all three parts of us to be successful. God wants us to be not just on a spiritual plane, he wants our soul realm. That's why the inner healing and, and deliverance and all that is so important to people because in your soul there's things that get hung up in there. The enemy sh shoots in there, gets in there before you were born again and after you are born again he's, he's saying stuff to you. So that, that's really important that we, our soul becomes healthy. Okay, and I think I spoke to you before about, about having friendships and social activities and all that. Those things are very much important to us. For our soul. We need that thing. In other words, this is what the Lord told me. You can't just be caught up into the spiritual realm all the time. You cannot do that because what's going to happen to you is you're going to neglect the other parts of your life and you're going to become unbalanced. And I've got things for you to do that's going to require you in your physical body, okay, to be able to function in your physical body at, in, on some level of health. You hear what I'm saying to you? We don't want to be hindered from filling our purpose and call on this earth because we got bad health, right? So you see what I'm saying? All this is important to God. God's really concerned about all of you, all of you, every part of you, all three parts of you. He's concerned and he has an answer for all three parts of you. Now, are we good so far? Yeah. I'm just Now, um, the principle that I want to talk to you about this morning for success is focus. Okay, that's, that's the term I'm giving it, is focus. That, God, that there's a focus that God wants us to have. Now, I want to read, I'm going to read three scriptures to you right quick. And these are what I call focus scriptures, okay, in the Bible. And these are about spiritual focus, okay? Let's, let's, first one is Matthew, and we, we've known these, we've hounded on these. I'm not going to try to give you more in, insight on these scriptures. Uh, I just want to use them as examples. It's, uh, Matthew 6.30. Seek first his kingdom, except for I do want to point out that word first. First means, number one, 
And then there's a number two, then there's a number three, a four, a five, and six. So, so out of the Lord's own mouth, he's saying the first thing that you and I need to focus on, the first thing you and I need to go after is our spiritual life, is the kingdom of heaven. That's number one according to Jesus. So be convicted right now. Okay, I want you to be convicted right now if, you, if, that's, if you're not doing that. Okay, because he said to do it. So we need to get convicted. He said seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness is basically right standing with the with the Lord, and all these things will be added to you. That's, he's talking about, before that, the context is food, clothing, and shelter. He said, put that, this is your primary focus. Focus there first. These other things will take care of themselves. And we'll look at verse 34 in a minute, but I want to read Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Also, it says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with, with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. See, at the right hand of God. Set your mind, focus, set your mind, on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Set your mind. See, that's a focus word. Set your mind. Seek first. Set, you know, there's focus, okay? All right, and then 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Uh, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Beholding. Beholding means focusing, looking, staring. Like, you know, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you're not... Messing around trying to look at what's behind you in the mirror, right? You're not looking at the window behind you. You're looking at you. What else, why else would you look in the mirror, right? So we're, that's what, that's, it's a focus word. Beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as the Lord, just as from the Lord of the Spirit. So what you will find, you can study this in life, both in the unsaved world, the saved world, the Christian world, and in the Bible. Everybody who is really successful is very focused. There's not a person in the Bible that you will find that was not focused. In fact, Paul the Apostle, one of the most successful people, apart from the Lord himself, that we would say in the New Testament, he was massively focused. I mean, to a fault focused. I mean, he had people begging him not to do stuff that he was so focused on. I mean, prophets prophesying to him, trying to get him to change his mind, but he was so focused that he wouldn't let none of that stuff throw him off his focus. You see what I'm saying to you, okay? So what you find with people in the, in, that we find with, in, with us, believers, just us, people who don't really have focus in their life are very unsuccessful people, okay? You just are not going to succeed if you don't have focus, okay? Are we good? All right, I want to read James 1, 6 through 8, and talk to you about the opposite a focus, just for a moment, which is distraction. I want to just make sure we hit on that, because that's really sort of our enemy we've got to deal with is distractions, because you got focus, and on the other side of focus, the opposite of focus is distraction. Everybody following this? All right, this is, you know, if you don't have faith, ask in faith. And then verse 6, it says, But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought to not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man. Double-minded means being distracted. You've got multi-things going on. You know, this side of your mind thinks this. This side of you know, you're just going all over the place. The double-minded man could not expect to receive anything from the Lord, or, or, and then being double-minded. Unstable in all his ways. So if you are a distracted person, you can't expect to get anywhere spiritually, but you can't expect to get anywhere anywhere in your life because it says in all his ways. You see that? If you don't have focus in your life, you're not going anywhere. That's what the Bible says. You're not going anywhere. Because you have these different directions in your life and you have no focus of where you really are trying to go. Are y'all good? Yeah. Have you ever noticed some people who are never able to get anything done? 
I mean, they could work on a project and get it to 70%, and for some reason they can't finish it. Well, let me just tell you something that I learned in the work world, okay, in the engineer world. You did not want engineers working on your team that could not finish the job. And when hard time comes, even, uh, even brilliant engineers who just could not finish it, the hard times come when you got to get rid of people. Guess who got, got, they got lumped into the list of people who weren't any good anyway because they didn't have a focus. They would get distracted. And uh, so you've got you've to be able to finish things. And, and people who don't, it's because they get distracted and they get off on something else. Um, let's read that Luke 10, 41 about Mary or about Martha. That's pretty I don't know why I keep saying Mary. But, you know, remember Martha and Mary, the two girls, and they, Jesus was over for supper, and everybody complains about Martha being, you know, that Jesus was fussing at her because of her servant stuff. Really, the Lord was not upset with her about serving. It doesn't say that. It's not in the Bible. But he does say, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Worry and bother. That's what he was going after Martha about is because she was worried and bothered. She was distracted. Do y'all understand that? He was not going after her because she had a servant's heart and wanted to make sure that he was going after her because she was worried and bothered and therefore she got distracted. Because you can serve the Lord and be focused on the Lord at the same time. You really can. Uh, that, that, let's go back to that Matthew 36, 34. Right after Jesus said, Kingdom of God, this is what he said next. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, worry is the automatic default position of every Christian. And Jesus was saying, in essence, this. Seek first the kingdom. But here's your enemy for, king, for seeking the kingdom. It's distraction and worry. That's the thing that's going to keep you from seeking the kingdom first. You're going to get worried about something. You're going to get distracted. You're going to have a divided mind. Now, that's what he said. And I think that's what really we've got to sort of face that. So... Worry and distraction are enemies, are your enemies to focus. So when you begin to realize about focus, you've got to, you've got to remember, there's this thing called worry and distraction is going to come against that. And that's what you've got to battle when it comes. All right, everybody good now. I've already talked about enough focus. Y'all understand focus, right? You understand focus is important. You know what your enemies is. You know that Jesus wants us to be focused. Have I just beat you to death with it? All right, now I want to talk to you briefly, because I don't have much time, about the, what I believe are the three uh, elements of focus. See, focus is made up of, some, of three things that I've seen, okay, that I'm going to tell you about. Them. Number one, the first thing and the most important thing is desire, okay? Without desire, you will not bear to focus. You've got to desire what you're, what you're going to focus on, Right? If you, see, I got this desire. I mean, that's why I picked Becky. I had a desire for her, and I put my focus on her. Right? That's how this deal works. With, but without that desire, I would have not paid any attention to her. She had just been another Christian, nice Christian girl that I didn't want anything to do with. But because I had this desire for her, I put a focus on her and began to try to figure her out and figure out how to win her. So I was smart. She didn't know. You know? Yeah, but that's true. I was smart. I tricked her. She's told me that. She said, I never married you if I'm on this about you. <laughs> so desire is the foundation for focus. You take desire. That's why in life, this is what you'll find with focused people. In life, your focuses will change through life. 
And the reason they change is because your desires change. You'll have a shift in desire. That's, that's ex- to be expected. But you've got to have the desire. Okay, now, here's some things that I've understood about the desire. And this, this, I'll show you a scripture. But desire can be stimulated in you, okay, and nurtured in you by other people, okay? Now, here's what I'm saying. This is, this is a, a couple examples out of my life. I had, as a young Christian, I had the blessing to sit under very good Bible teachers. Okay, I don't really remember what they were teaching on, but I remember this. They had a gift of teaching. And it, to me, it was always what I described as like water running. That's the way it felt to me, like water was just flowing. And, and it gave me a hunger and a desire for the Bible. Okay, that's what it did to me. It gave me a hunger. But even more than that, there was another desire that it stimulated in me, and that was the desire to be able to speak the priests. Okay? I didn't have that desire in me until I began to sit under them. I didn't even really have a great desire to read the Bible already because you're supposed to. Okay, but, but because of what they were doing, it, it motivated me. It caused something. It was deep calling the deep. There was a gift in there that they, what they, when they were releasing their gift, it was speaking to the gift in me and saying, come on, wake up, get with it. Now, I never achieved to be teachers like them. I just realized one day, I'm not, that ain't going to happen. I didn't have that flow. Another one, a teacher that y'all, many of you know, is Jack Deere. I mean, I can listen to Jack Deere preach about anything. It doesn't matter to me because it's the gift flowing out of him that provokes me. It's not what, even what he's saying. In fact, he said a couple of things. I just thought, no, nah, that can't be right. But the gift of God flowing out of him did something for me. Uh, if you have a gift for healing this morning, you, there was probably something. I guarantee you people in here who have a hunger to see people healed and desire to pray for people when they were hearing these testimonies. Something in them. Okay, something in them. You, you can uh, be a Christian and, and God has a call on your life to be a business person. And you see another a believer or even another non-believer who's very successful in business, something in you, it stimulates something in you and causes something in you. to. And a lot of people, my main thing is jealousy, but it could be a godly jealousy. Like, you could do that. You know, and there's a scripture for it, actually. It's Hebrews 10, 24. It says, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Listen to this. This is the Bible's telling us that, that principle I just gave you. Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And the way we do it is, is allowing these desires and having this focus that come out of our own lives, the gifts and calling to come out of our own lives will help other people come into what they're supposed to come into. Now, not every desire that you have is from God. Okay, that's, that's, that's important to know. We all know we can have some bad desires, right? Right, men? Me, I mean, I don't know what kind of desires. I haven't figured women out, honestly. I don't know what kind of desires they have. It just blows my brains out all the time. But I know something about men, okay, because I am one. And I know men can have some desires which are not acceptable, okay. Uh, in fact, Colossians 3, 5 speaks of evil desires. But I'm not necessarily talking about those old base desires. I'm just talking about there's lots of desires that we, we can have that are not necessarily the desires that came from heaven, okay, that came from the Lord himself, okay? Uh, let me read uh, Galatians 5, 17, and this is what you need to do to deal with desires and, 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 be, and sense desire. And, and, and it says, The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, 
and the Spirit, you could literally put it, and the Spirit sets its desire against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one so that you may not do the things that you please. So what you've got to do is you've got to discern your desires. You've got to discern how the Spirit of God in you is responding and reacting to the different desires that may be rising up in your heart. You've got to let the Holy Spirit tell you that's a good desire. No, nope, that's not you. Paul the Apostle is another great example. Paul had a desire from God, a focus from God that was on the Gentiles. It was not towards the Jews. He said, hey, I'm called to the Gentiles. Peter's called to the Jews. He didn't allow, even though they, they needed to know the Lord, they needed God, they needed to hear the message. And he did do it some, but really he was headed towards the Gentiles. That's where he was going. And he said, Peter, you, this is Peter's job. The Jews are Peter's. I've got to go after this other things that God's put in me. Because he was discerning the, what the Spirit of God in him, was. there was life on it. There was joy on it. There was peace on it. There was love on it. Are y'all following that? That's really key for you when we talk about desires. It's to make sure the Holy Spirit is in agreement with what you're going after. Okay? Um, let me give you one, one desire that the Bible directly says that every person in this room should have. It says, desire earnestly, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the spiritual realm. That's what it says. It don't say spiritual gifts there, actually. People think it does, but it's not in the language. Okay, it's the spiritual is the literal. So, I just threw realms in there because realms is not in Ephesians neither. You know, it talks about the heavenly realm and all that. It's not, it's just the heavenlies. Okay, it says, that's one thing we should all desire. Let me ask you, get convicted. Are you desiring the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm? Is that a desire of your life? You should be. The Bible says for it to be. And especially that you might prophesy, or particularly that you, have, that you might prophesy. And so these are things that the Bible tells us. That, you know, the Bible tells us here's some things you need to desire. Every Christian should desire the heavenly realm. Every Christian should desire to get pulled up in there. Every Christian should desire to see into the Spirit. It should be a desire of yours, a strong desire. Are you convicted? I hope you are if you have that desire because it's in you. Okay? All right, here's another thing about desire. Is it, it's uh, Proverbs 13, 12. It says, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Okay, desire fulfilled. But here's how God, you see, God will provoke desire. God, here's the way he does it. God will put a desire in you, and he'll let you taste it before the desire is fulfilled, which causes you to be provoked. And the best example I can think about that is a wine tasting. Anybody been to a wine tasting? Don't raise your hand because you might have some Christian beside you that don't believe in drinking in wine. But that's their problem, right? You can do it. But, you know, you go to a wine tasting, and this is a trap. I'm going to be honest with you. Wine tastings are traps. They're trying to get you to buy wine. That's the only reason you're going to taste it. They ain't just giving you wine free. They want you to go buy some wine. But here's the way a wine tasting. You go in there and they have three or four glasses of wine, little glasses, and you take a swallow. Mmm, that's good. Mmm, that's not good. Hey, give me one bottle. You buy that. that you, you got that. That's the way God is with desires. He lets you taste it. Oh, man, that's good. And it makes you go after the whole bottle. I want the whole thing. And you begin to pursue it. See, God will, and he'll give you dreams about that thing. He'll give you, he'll mess with you about that thing. Okay, a real desire from God. You can expect God to get involved in your life about it, messing with you about it. You may have a desire to uh, be a, a missionary to China, say. Okay? And, and uh, but you're not ready to go yet. But you think about it all the time. You dream about it. You read up on it. You study on it. You try to get around people who are, who have that same, who are maybe missionaries and get from them. 
That's one of the reasons I like to be about around Bob Jones because I love the spiritual realm. So I want to be around other people who are already functioning there because they've got something. I feel like I want what they got. I want to get connected with it, and I want to have visitations like they have. So I want to be around them because there's something in me that's desiring that. I mean, I don't want to be like him. I want what he's got, and I want more. Okay? So that's what what God does. So he lets us get around these people, and they affect us. Are you all following that line of thinking? So... That's, the, that's the, the, the foundation for focus. The foundation is you've got to have desire. Okay? If you don't have desire, you're not going to focus. But that's only one part. There's two other parts, which we'll do real fast. You're going to love the second one. Everybody loves sacrifice. Okay? Focus requires sacrifice. Okay? You, let me just tell you this. You have to give up some things for the desires that God puts in your heart. Okay? Uh, the example I used this morning is uh, on a pro-athlete level, uh, Michael Jordan, which I know Michael Jordan's sort of an older guy now. A lot of these younger guys are not knowing that much about Michael Jordan. But I remember Michael Jordan well. He was a young guy when I was an older guy, actually. That's sort of disturbing. Like Michael, I saw Michael Jordan. I said, man, he looks old. What happened to Michael Jordan? He looks like an old, mature-looking guy now. He's not that guy on the basketball court. But Michael Jordan was the best basketball player, okay, of his era. And he won, you know, at, surely won a... But he was not a great baseball player, okay? He tried to play professional baseball, if you remember, and did not succeed at it, okay? Because you can't, at that level, you're going to have to give up some things. And here's what I'm, I know a lot of people who sit around and tell me a lot of dreams that they have, a lot of things they want to do. And, they, and I'm going to be honest with you, these people don't do nothing. Because God has not... And, and, God has not given us. We can't have 70 th- things. Think we're going to do 70 things. That was the thing he told me. I'll tell you how I got all this. When I was down in Paraguay, he said, this is what he said to me. He gave me this word. You need to streamline what you're doing because you can't do everything you want to do. Okay? I'm talking about great things, godly things. You can't do all that. You're going to have to find out the, thing, the most important things and do those. Because they're going to cost you, you're going to have to, so you're going to have to give up some dreams. You're going to have to give up some desires. A child who becomes really good with music, okay, guess what they're doing while all their buddies are out wrestling and kissing girls? and They're sitting in the house figuring out chords on their guitar. Why? Because they have a desire. And they're willing to give up the sports or this or that so they could do the music. Do you all understand that? And if we're going to if we're going to really walk and we're going to be focused people, we're going to have to give up some things. And sometimes they're not bad things. I'm not talking about giving up bad things. That's, yeah, that's understood. I'm talking about things that could be God. I'm, I've, I have some dreams from God. I feel like I'm going to have to give these up because I have some greater dreams. And I know I can't do all of them. So something has to go in my life. Okay. So that's what we, when I'm talking about sacrifice, I'm talking about those. I'm, desire gives you, desire, this is what desire about in sacrifice, how, why you have to have desire. Desire gives you the power to give up. When I married Becky, I made a statement. I forsake all other women. Why was I going to forsake all these other beautiful women that wanted my attention? <laughs> you know? Because of my desire for Becky. You know? That's why they do that. In every day of your life, men, you and women, you're saying to your spouse, 
I have given them all up. That's why you don't mess around with the opposite sex like that. And a lot of people forget that. Don't forget that. When you said that, I'm going to tell you this right now. You said it. God took it seriously. And you said it for life or until, you know, the Lord took one. And if they decide to leave you, well, okay. You can go on. But I'll tell you something. That's an important thing. You know, have a desire for your spouse. Okay? That's, that's important in the Lord's heart. And that desire will keep you focused on your marriage, keep you focused on them, keep you focused on the important things. Because all that other stuff creates too much heartache, and we don't really need any more heartache. We don't, the church needs to get out of that. That was just a little sideline. So you gotta, you got to give up. you got to give up something. Okay? you got to sacrifice something. So you got focus is made up of desire. It's made up of sacrifice. And the last one, you're going to love this one too. The third part of it is faithfulness. Okay, now I'm going to tell you, uh, Luke 16.10. This is what the Lord told me about Luke 16.10. He said to me, there's more power on that scripture than you'll ever imagine. It says this, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. Who is faithful in a little thing? Okay, you see, here's the thing. It's what you do every day of your life, the decisions you make day in and day out that are huge in the heavenly realm. That's what I'm saying. In heaven, that's huge. There's huge power on making right choices and decisions day in and day out because it releases a power to you. Also, there's a, also it goes on to talk about in that, like about if you're not faithful in another man's thing, there's power on all that. These are not just like little religious sayings and, oh, that's a good little truth in the Bible. No, that's, that's a power truth. We've got to be faithful day in and day out and one of the people that I've seen in the Bible who I consider to be like, wow, this guy was hugely faithful, was Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph in the Old Testament, think about it. Now, he wasn't a very wise person, but he was very gifted. And he pushed his brothers one day over the edge. And they took his carcass and threw him in a hole. And I believe at that moment that guy got more wisdom. I mean, he got a download of wisdom sitting down there in that hole, especially when they pulled him up and gave him to those sold him off to them people going to Egypt. I mean, he had more wisdom than you can imagine about how what he shouldn't have been doing, what he should be doing. Okay, but he winds up in Potiphar's house. Okay? And the Bible says every day that woman went after him, every day of his life, harassing him. Now, that's a man who was faithful. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't until finally it got, you know, there was this breaking point. You know, he wound up getting thrown in jail. Okay? And guess what? He becomes in charge of the whole jail. You see what happened? He, was, he had this little thing. He was in charge of a household. And the next thing you know, he gets this promotion. But unfortunately, it didn't look like a promotion. But it was really a promotion. And he winds up, and in, in, he's in charge of the whole jail. There's a bunch of people in jail. And then from there, God made Joseph over all of Egypt. He was number two in charge. Why was he number two? Well, you know, there's lots of reasons for it, but the faithfulness is what got him there. Okay? He, kept a fo- he had a focus in his life. He, kept, he, he remained faithful day in and day out to the little things. See, God, it doesn't matter. God's watching everything we do, not up there to slap us down, but to see this faithfulness cultivated and grown in our hearts and that we're going to make right decisions day in and day out. And when, as we're doing that, that's going to allow us to stay focused. It's going to allow us to come in to true success in the Lord. 
Okay, now I'm telling you, what I'm telling you here has got power on it. I'm not telling you some little, little, little form here. I'm telling you this is the biblical, one of the biblical, I got some more, but I ain't no time. I got more stuff on that. Um, there's other things that God wants to do to make us successful. Okay? This will make you a successful person in every area of your life. Why? Because it comes from heaven. It's got power on it. It's got life on it. And God wants you and I to be successful. Amen? All righty. What are we supposed to do? Pray for the sick? Who's sick here? Raise your hand. What the heck on? We got, come on, let's get the sick people up.